So here's what happened as a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Starring Tyga Chin, Selena Jade, Tony Ja, and Iko Wyas, Triple Threat is an intense action and martial arts film. In this episode of Carolyn Talks, she speaks with the film's director, Jesse V. Johnson, about editing, fight scenes, filming in Bangkok, and lighting. Triple Threat opens in North American Theater. North American theaters March 19th and goes on sale March 22nd. Hope you enjoy. But so my first question for you is, um, though you've directed a lot of action films, Triple Threat is your first where martial arts is the main fight cell for all of the characters. And I wanted to ask you, what was the process of selecting your crew and cast for for the film um, compared to your other films that you've done before? Uh, I approached them all in exactly the same way. Uh, in this one, the fight scenes had to be handled in a way that, you know, uh, sort of highlighted the, the various different actors' uh, incredible skills mm-hmm. that, you know, they've brought to the table naturally. So you work that into the choreography, but to be honest, it, that, that was, you know, that was a, a minor conversation early on with the choreographer. And that was about as far as, you know, as, as that became something that guided the story. It really didn't. It was, you know, we set up the film around the, you know, uh, how to give each of the characters their moment in the spotlight. And that was more of a challenge than it was, uh, working for the individual martial arts. Individual fights, I, I don't get heavily involved in. I've done all of that. I've been someone's choreographer. I've been their second unit director. I know what the job involves. Uh, my job and the reason I'm hired on a film like Triple Thread is to make a coherent movie that has a beginning, middle, and end and characters that you root for and, and you know performances that are as good as you possibly can get in those situations. And I had my hands very, very full with those challenges. So the choreography uh, I, I gave to Tim Mann and how our working relationship works is uh, I have the story, the script. I know where the character is going, what the journey is, what needs to be said in that fight scene. Uh, I'll shoot all the way up to the first punch and then pick up from where you know the guy has won the fight or lost the fight. Uh, and then in in the fight, you always have to make sure you have acting moments and I direct those as well. But the fight's themselves are worked ahead of time with the with stuntmen and then with the actors themselves shot and uh, that videotape uh which is called the fight previous is brought mm-hmm. to me i look at that i make my notes on it explain what might be better what other techniques might work better what what isn't working with the story or the location and then tim will go back and he'll rework it again bring it back to me and we'll get it to the point where it's it's basically ready to drop in and shoot you know you you can shoot almost based upon the previous uh at that point we go to camera and we shoot it and it's done very very efficiently uh you can't you can't shoot a movie that way because performances and actors and you know and dialogue just simply doesn't work like that you you have to be ready to move and improvise and and sort of uh go with the flow but with action you can shoot like that you can shoot and you must shoot like that for two reasons the first is, is efficient and it gets done quickly. And we had a very, very uh, high pressure schedule on, on triple threat. There was no hanging around. And secondly, if you're shooting action, you, you, you have to make sure it's safe. You have to make sure everyone knows what's going on, uh, that the hits sell the camera and look like they're dangerous. And that kind of stuff you don't really want to improvise. You don't want to leave it to the last minute and do. So 
those, every single fight that you see in Triple Threat was was you know rehearsed. Uh, it was shot with stuntmen performing it. It was then you know shot with the actors themselves performing it. it gave them a chance to maybe put any of their ideas in. Uh, anyone else on the set that felt they had ideas that would work could throw it in, uh, and then those previews and rehearsals were brought to set and those are pretty much what we shot. So it's a very, it's a very technical process. Uh, it's quite free. There is a lot of room for, for creativity, but that all has to happen ahead of, ahead of time. When you get to set, it becomes a very, very, uh, process. The only, the only reason you change that is if for any reason you can't finish the fight, maybe you run out of time. Maybe, uh, you have a stunt man who twists his ankle and you, you have to suddenly finish the fight quicker. So that, that's really where the improvisation comes in. But no, uh, on this film, it was very, very much a matter of making sure that those fights reflected the various and very different disciplines of our six or seven lead performers. I think it was actually eight or nine in the end who had, who had, you know, including one Smorenberg and Gijar who had, moments in the spotlight and so that was a bit of a challenge but it was really down to the actors themselves and Tim to to you know maintain that that happened in the rehearsal so that it would be reflected on screen for me the storytelling process was the same as any other I didn't approach it any differently I had to make sure that there were you know that, that that it worked and that the drama was there the subplot was there and the performances were there so so really you you approach them all all the same way there's no unique there's no unique reason to approach a film just because it has more martial arts in than another one you know you definitely don't want the martial arts to be the reason for the film either uh that although they are for the fan watching it they're not in terms of of what's happening with the story if that makes sense right uh it always always has to be that way around otherwise you come up with one of these films that looks like one of the sort of low budget uh, fight pictures where people pretty much turn off for the sequences in between the fights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they used to describe it in the Bruce Lee movies. You know, uh, I remember reading a, a, a period description of someone who went to see one of the films in the early 70s and he said that this, everyone just was talking throughout all of the talking, you know, they were doing their general business in the, in the theatre and the moment a fight scene geared up to start, it went completely silent and everyone watched the fight scene mm-hmm. and then just started talking again afterwards yeah. because they had come to see the fights. They weren't there to see see the story, uh, which which always, always I found <laughs> sort of interesting, but you, you just can't fly with that anymore, really. You, you have to have something that involves people. So we worked very, very hard to make a story that involved each of the characters as well and didn't just feature their physical uh, talents. Right. And because it's so technical, and as you mentioned, there's the previous um, section of like preparing for the fight scenes and the choreography. I wanted to ask you about editing, because one of my biggest pet peeves with action uh, action films in particular, especially with those featuring martial arts, is when you have a lot of quick edits and you have and like sometimes you can't see the fighting properly because there's so many cuts. And one thing I liked about Triple, um, Triple Threat is I could, when when we have the fight scenes, or even the chase sequences, you could see the action and you can see what's happening and you can see the different movements that the, um, the characters are making. And I appreciated that because I can't stand when I'm watching a fight scene and I'm like, wait, who's punching who? What's going on? And I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned the previs, when you're preparing to film the scene and you're working out the editing, do you, because uh, like, you, you have to know ahead of time where you're going to put your camera placements and what. But do you um, decide like how much um, edits you're going to make for a particular scene when you're when you're setting up? Yeah, I mean it's a very very easy answer. No nobody, nobody anywhere ever chooses 
to make a fight scene with a lot of edits in it. It's yeah. shit. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Every editor knows that. Yeah. Every director knows that. Every stuntman and fight choreographer knows that. You know, one of the worst things in the world. I come, in, I come from a background in stunts. So seeing your fantastic stunt cut to pieces by, by, by the editors and and, yeah. and the you know the producers. It's what 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 that has done and why that's done. It it, it, it is an, in an effort to make something look faster. Or more kinetic. Now, what happens is when you're making a film, uh, if you choose the wrong angles, you know the wrong camera lenses, uh, a particular piece of action, whether it's a stuntman doing it or an actor, whether it's a uh, top of his game UFC fighter who's got a you know 150 mile an hour punch, mm-hmm. or, or Drew Barrymore who who can hardly lift their right leg off the floor, and you're trying to make it look uh, kinetic like we did on Charlie's Angels all those yeah. years ago, who, who, whomever it is, if you use the wrong lens, it's going to look slow. And you're and you're you're then faced with a scenario, or, or you have an actor who's, who is just outright slow, and you use the wrong lens on them. You, you are going to be faced with a scenario where you're watching a perfectly acceptable cut of that fight that's nice and loose, and 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 allows the techniques to breathe. But the average person is going to watch it and go, "Oh my God, this is really slow. They look like a couple of Teletubbies fighting," you know. Yeah. And and that's the worst scenario. So what? What happens at that point is the editor starts to try to fix it and he removes frames and he removes uh, uh, the beginning and the end of a cut and, 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 he, and he adds a slightly sort of what he would interpret as kinetic, but what many people interpret as confusing style into it so that at least at that point, all you're hearing is massive punches and seeing a blur of movement and that's another sound effect. And the average audience member comes away with, oh, well, that was pretty brutal and quick. It was something that was that sort of started, you know, with with the Bourne movies and, and, and you know, Paul Greengrass's style is very unique and very good. But everyone tried to copy it and to sort of, you know, shake the camera and wobble it around and have these yeah. dynamic cuts. But it, it, it's not that easy to do. It's not that. There's only, there's only a couple of guys that can do it where it really actually works to help. Otherwise, it just looks confusing. Uh and so when you have act, when you have stuntmen and performers and actors like I had that know how to move fast and know how to move with incredible incredible speed and delivery and 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 sort of energy, you your job is to put the camera in a position where you can allow the audience to see that to its fullest, you know. And I don't mean a, a, a you know you don't just put the camera a long way away and make a wide angle, but because that will look slow and it looks it looks dull in the audience. It's, it's a very very important decision-making process that you make. You don't simply try and shoot a one because, you know, that's exciting. It isn't exciting anymore. No one gives a shit about whether there's cuts or there's no cuts. What they want is an exciting fight scene. They want to see some of the technique used, and they want to see guys that look like they're doing it themselves. You know, they want to be transformed and taken into that scene and put into it as much as possible. And that's, that's your process. You're not making a documentary on martial arts. Right. And you're not... You know, you're not trying to hide anything. You're trying to take that audience member and put him into the first-person uh, shooter mode as as deliberately and concisely as he can. A lot of that is involving him in the story ahead of time, amazingly enough, without the martial arts. But a lot of it also is your camera choice placement and your framing and, and how you do that. Uh, and letting the, letting the shots breathe and being able to see the technique, but also seeing, you know, the, the emotional... Uh, intent of those actors in their eyes is very, very important, and uh, it's a, it's a balance. But yes, no one ever goes in saying, "Let's make a really choppy <laughs> fight scene with as many edits as possible." Every single director, unless he's clueless, goes in saying, "Let's try to show 
as much as possible, and they are gradually whittled down by the fact that they are unable to do that because the performers are simply not as good as they'd hoped they were going to be and or as quick or as dynamic looking. And then, you know, the, the DP is not able to choose the camera angles in a way that, that, that works with the choreography. And, and unfortunately, it's a very, very... Uh, uh, it, it's a, it's not an entry level position. It's, it's, it takes a long time to learn these techniques. And every single camera, every single DP you run into believes that he's really inside of him a action photographer and he can do it. Yeah. And you run into this situation over and over again where I watched the first three, four, five setups and realized the, the guy doesn't know how to shoot action. What he knows how to do is frame a pretty shot, but he has no idea how to put himself within the action. And it's frustrating because it's, you know, it's like they take it very personally, but it's like, no, no, it's, you, you don't, you don't understand. This is not something you can simply step into and say, this is, this is what I can do. Just like action directors, you know, uh, people seem to believe it's a good place to start out. You know, let's, let's give this guy a break. He can do a little, little martial arts movie. They're, they're terrible. They're, they're awful. 99% of the time, they're, they're wretched. <laughs> they're very difficult for me to watch because I've done it so many times now. I don't want, you know, you, it's, it's, it's as difficult to direct action as it is almost anything in cinema. You know, you're, 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 you're actually putting yourself at the top of your game. You're comparing yourself to some of the very, very best talents out there who've spent, 20, 30 years honing their craft, you know. Uh, and I, I started as a, an assistant for those guys, Vic Armstrong and Ewan Wood Pitt, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I watched how these guys work and it's very, very scientific, <laughs> engineering-based and artistic and creative and, and there's an imagination going and where you, where you put the camera is very, very important. And so, uh, uh, yes, there is a lot of, poorly shot action out there and you know we try very hard not to do that with triple threat and i think i think the fight scenes work really bloody well they look great on the big screen did you were you able to see it on a big screen or i um because i got a screener i watched it on my laptop but i but even though i watched it on a laptop like i there the scenes that i wrote that i really really liked were especially in the third um the third act and i want and like coming that's where it all pulls together isn't it the third act that's where it sort of galvanizes Yeah, like things kind of ramp up in the second, um, in the second act with the chase scene through the market, but then in in the in the third act, like things really kicked up a notch, and I really liked all the fight sequences in that section. But what really caught my attention was the lighting, because you mentioned the DP and the cinematographer, and the thing that I found really interesting with this particular set piece, because it all takes place in the mansion and it's that and it's dark. And I'll be honest, when the sun set, I was like, please let me be able to see what is happening on screen because I've watched quite I've watched a few um action films where things happen at night and they take place in like a closed set like a house and I'm like what is going on I can't see someone turn on the light but what I found really interesting with how how you and your team film this is we even though like there's a quite a few sequences that take place by moonlight so it creates like a silhouette effect and it kind of reminded me a lot of shadow boxing and then there, um, then there was the scenes that took place that was lighted by literally by firelight, and I was so I was surprised, I'm pleasantly surprised that I could actually see what was going on, even though it was dark. I could still see the action and what was going on, and I really liked that about the film because I, again, there's quite a few sh- films where I've seen I'm like I can't see a darn thing going on. Oh, brilliant! Uh, that that means so much to me. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was it was uh, a tricky decision. Uh, the, 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 you know, and it, it stems from a. Uh, thought process quite early on that 
I, you know, I had huge second second thoughts about and <laughs> self doubts. But uh, I'd made a film in Bangkok before. I, I did a film called The Fifth Commandment there with Rick Yoon and, and mm-hmm. Keith David. Yeah, uh, it was a, you know, there was there was a lot of stuff going on in that movie. There were some issues with the editorial. It got taken away, and and I, I, you know, very very unhappy with the final product. But what I learned working in in Bangkok was that you can end up with a film that looks very similar. The scenes look very similar. There's a, there's a there's a uh, there's a beautiful chaos to, to Bangkok as a city, which is quite fun, but it's it, it absolutely impregnates every single place you you point the camera. It's messy, you know, the structure is asymmetrical mm-hmm. and you either have really modern buildings or you have really sort of slum down tenements with lots and lots mm-hmm. of neon. And it becomes very samey. And I watched I watched a lot of Bangkok shot movies, Bangkok Dangerous, uh you know, uh, only God forgives, and and these pictures, and and they all have the same thing. They all every single scene looks like it was shot in the same building, you know, yeah. and and the exteriors all look like they were shot in the same single alleyway. And I thought, oh my God, how am I going to do this? How, what, what? How can I make this film? You know, it's got eight different characters. They all need to have something interesting going on. The locations, you know, there's a purely pragmatic concern need to look a little different. So the first, you know, the first thing that was suggested by uh, Mike Selby, who is the uh, local producer out there, who's a genius, uh, was to shoot in the jungle for the opening because it was so different. And then he gradually found me locations around Bangkok that were very different from the, uh, you know, the hyper-modern building with the, uh, with the glass in it, you know, uh, that, that we found that was just, just amazing, you know, glass, glass floors. Like we didn't very nerve-wracking up at 30 stories or whatever it was, 130 stories. I don't know, that was very, very high up. Uh, and then also to shoot at different times of day, you know, by the river, you know, the sun was setting and then, you know, at night time, we found this amazing polo club that had been built, built at great, great expense and then never actually open to the public yeah. and that's where we shot the ending you know by firelight because i thought that was a very that was a, a unique way of, of shooting but yes we were terrified all of us that we had made a you know an enormous blunder by choosing to film in such low light and you wouldn't see it you know so it was it was a very conscientious decision while we were shooting can you see the technique can you see what's happening yeah. Yeah. you know and uh, i've got to tell you that both both scott and and tim mann gave me a lot of evil looks while we were doing that final sequence. It's like, just trust me on it. Just trust me. We'll make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Moonlight, firelight. uh, We basically wrote out a list of everything, every location, every camera, uh, lighting technique that we could think of. Jonathan Hall and I, who's the the cinematographer I worked with multiple times, and we applied those to each scene in, in a way that, would keep the film as visually interesting and as stimulating as possible, you know. And it's 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 it may sound you know we're in a you know twenty first century and we're in a major city, but it's actually quite tricky because there is it can you know a, any location can become quite quite sort of similar and repetitive, and, and we tried very hard to avoid that with this film. No, it so I'm pleased you noticed. It worked, and I kind of really liked it because it created a um, a symmetry to me between the characters um, in the fact that. As you said, you started in the jungle, which I thought was interesting because when it when it first started, the first thing that came to my mind was Predator and a lot of those old school um, Jean Claude Van Damme films. So that was the first thing. And uh, you mentioned that, yeah, you see me because a lot of those films from like the late seventies to early eighties, early nineties, um, even though you had like different locations, a lot of them did feel very samey, samey, um, especially if they took place in like um, 
in like um, East Asian locations. So I like the fact that you took it through different parts because you started out like green in the jungle and then you took it to the, and then you would say like the urban jungle in the market and then you ended off at the dilapidated building. But the, 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 to me, the end sequence was created symmetry because it was more, um, I don't know how to explain it, but to me, it kind of fit the characters, um, especially Tony Jaa's character and Eko and also Tiger Chen. Like, I don't, it, to me, it kind of like fit their characters, especially, and it fit their fight styles. And I wonder if it's... I thought so too. I, I, I agree 100%. I think, I think you've, I think you're absolutely right. It really did. It, it, it was wrong to have them fighting in a postmodern Bauhaus style glass building. It just felt right to take them because they are, they're, they're, they're old souls in the movie. All three of the, our heroes, they are sort of, they're sort of uh, men who are out of time is, uh, is what they used to call them, you know, in the, in the cowboy times. They were guys from another era, you know, and, and I love that. I think we, we, as, you know, film goers and story, story, re, you know, readers and, and people interested in fiction, we, we, we have a natural sympathy for the outsider, for the, for the man who's living by an old set of, an old moral code, you know, it, you know, these guys don't really use cell phones. I, I guarantee you the three of them wouldn't, you know, in, in the movie, wouldn't have social media or anything like that. You know, they're, they're, they're sort of, you know, they, they, they live for a good, a good laugh and, a, and an adventure and a, uh, you know, and, and the company of good friends. And, and, and that's, and that's something I think we all sort of strive for it a little bit in our souls anyway, you know, the world has become so much more convenient, uh, but it's, but it's less, it's less personal and less social than it ever has been in the history of man right now. We have less interaction, less requirement to interact with our fellow man than ever before in history. And I think it's sad. I think it's fun to see three cats who really don't partake of any of that. And, you know, for them, it's, it's all about, you know, a good chat and a laugh and a, you know, a bit of action and, 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 you know, camaraderie. And, and I think we all, we all yearn for that, you know, a, a throwback to a simpler time, you know, uh, and that you know, and if you notice, the bad guys all use their cell phones a lot. They they yeah. they're always using GPS, and 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 you know their guns are a lot more modern. You know their their clothing is a lot more modern. Their techniques are, you know, and the GPS doesn't work. That's why they have to use Tiger. There, there was definitely you know let's let's root for the. Let's root for the underdog in, in in the movie, and I think that's also a good place to go. I was very excited to do it. It was really fun for me to to put you know three Asians in the lead in a, mm-hmm. in a huge movie like this, you know, and have have the audience root for them without without being you know like, like political correctness. That that's not the reason for it. The reason for it is because they're cool cats, and you really want to get behind them, you know. I was so excited because I'm like, for goodness sakes, um, the raid um, and raid two are some of my, like my, in my top five action films. So when I saw Ikoyosu's name, I'm like, yes. And then I saw Selena Jade. I'm like, yeah, shadow. So I was really happy to see the cast listing. Selena Jade is phenomenal. She is so good. She had a very, very thinly written character when she arrived on set. She came to me, and pretty much everything you see in that film is Selena's creative work, her writing, her ideas. Uh, This is how cool Selena is. The scene where Scott uh, jumps onto the hood of the car and smashes out the windshield is a very, very dangerous thing to do because we're driving down a narrow street with cars on either side of the street. You know, there's only six or eight inches on either side of the car. And uh, Scott's there, and he's pound- he had a special metal plate, you know, on his hand. He was in a safety harness, but listen, if you if you have a head-on collision with a stunt, you know, with an actor on your hood, you're going to hurt him. You're going to hurt yourself. 
what he had to do was actually punch with this metal glove through through the windshield, right. uh, which is fine for Scott. He, he could probably do it without the glove. But, but what happens the moment you shatter a safety glass windshield is the whole windshield fogs. It, it spiders and goes completely opaque. You can't see through it. Mm-hmm. And we had a stunt girl doing this. She had a radio set up. She was going to, you know, looked up, you know, she had eye, eye mask on, was going to look, you know, because of all the glass splinters. And she was going to look through the uh, window the moment the smash had gone and take the car to a slow halt. We didn't need to keep driving once it had smashed. It was literally just for the smash that we needed the car, you know, the, the, you know, the, the world passing by. And we're in one of those moments where you know, I call for the stunt driver, and she's a fantastic double, looks just like Selena Jade, gets in the car, looks at the manual gearbox, <laughs> looks at me and says, you know, I've got no idea how to drive a manual gearbox. <laughs> and, and we all just looked at each other on set, and it was, you know, because we suddenly realized that was a cog in the day's work, that there was no way of getting around. We couldn't get to the next sequence, which was the, which was Scott jumping onto the hood right. without getting the... There was no, there was no reason for, this, for him to jump on the wood if he wasn't going to smash the window. You couldn't do it in a station vehicle. We didn't have a way to tow it at that time because we talked with the stunt coordinator and the stunt woman, and, and it had all been yeses over the internet, of course. And, but it was one of those little things that had slipped by, you know. Uh, and Selena Jay was watching this, and she walked home and said, I'll do it. I can do it. And I think that is absolutely no way on earth I'm putting you in the car. What, what, you know? And she convinced me and she convinced the stunt coordinator and the producers. She put the goggles on, ran the shot, did it at very high speed, much faster than I would have liked to have done it. And uh, she smashed the windshield and there was glass everywhere in the car. She pulled over and was laughing her head off. Thought it was the most fantastic thing in the world. Right. <laughs> uh, certainly not something I recommend and certainly not something I'd do again in a hurry, but it was testament to the kind of commitment she has and she's very very intelligent and 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 you know gets in and you know she'd come to me with lines in the morning the same way that a writer would say this is this is this is the dialogue that i've written for, for today <laughs> look at it go this is brilliant let's do it so it was very very fun working with her and you know i hope if they do a sequel that her part becomes more significant she becomes one of the one of the team you know yeah because um there's a couple of things that you mentioned about the fact of like the thing that one of the things that struck me and you mentioned it where there's a kind of like a balance between the two teams because you have the one that's like um made up of i guess you could say europeans because like scott atkins and some of the crew are british and then you have michael jai white who's american and their team is like more modern because they have like the they have like the mercenary tech wear and then you have the other team which is like you know they just have on like their cargo pants and their jacket and their shirts and their jackets and there's a line that really struck out to me where um uh Tiger Chen's character Long Fei he 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 told um <laughs> he told Xian played by um, Selena J to drive the car and she's like there and he's like it's a girl's car she's like but cars don't have gender. Literally, I he's like I don't know how to drive a car. He's like I'm not a professional driver, and I thought I was like that is such I was like that is on possibly probably unintentional shade because when you watch a lot of North American produced action films, like everyone is uh, everyone can fly, like all the people everyone can fly a plane, can drive stunt, can drive like a car. I, know. I don't I don't know who came up with that idea. I, I can't you know because you know obviously Tiger's a stuntman. I, I work with him on Charlie's Angels. He's yeah. a phenomenal driver. But I can't remember who came up with that. Uh, it was either me or Mike Selby, and it was one of those things. And it was sort of a, a, a rough idea that, yeah, these guys are not really <laughs> not really very technical. Right. They can probably drive a tank, a T-72 Russian tank, but don't actually know how to drive a car. When would they have ever driven a car? They're mercenaries. You know, there's no, there's no real need for that. Uh, and we, we took that to Tiger 
and Selena, and we worked we worked it through. And I think the first take, it didn't it didn't fire, and we they had a chat about it in Chinese, and then they came to me, and they were both in hysterics. They were laughing like crazy. Now I don't I don't speak Chinese. Yeah. I'm not I'm not. I, I was not aware. I said, you guys really, really love what you've got? And they're like, we love it. It's hilarious. Everyone, it's very, very funny. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do the coverage on it. John and I choose where to put the cameras to make you guys look good. But you're going to, you know, Selena you're, and Tiger, you're going to have to guide me as to where the punchlines are and make sure we get them in close-up. And, and they're like, totally cool, totally cool. And we shot it in probably, it, we shot in probably a, a third of the time it took to shoot any other sequence because they were so committed. They were having, you know, it's a very funny scene, but the subtitles, I, it's, I, and because I didn't really know until I saw it, the I was like, this is hilarious. I wish we'd done more of that throughout the whole movie. I thought it was very, very good. And, uh, they were, they were, you know, we, we, I think that was like the fifth scene that we shot, that fifth location that we shot that day, because that was also where, they arrived at the dock in the tuk-tuk uh, boat, and then they had to go away. From it. So it was it was a very heavy day. And when we got to that, the sun was setting. And when it sets in Thailand, it's gone. It's nighttime. It's it's very quick. You don't get much magic hour like you do in, you know, in some of the more sort of you know, uh, uh, sort of northerly hemisphere sort of places. Uh, and so we, it was very very high pressure. And I said, "Are you sure you've got seen guys?" Like, no, it's great. It's great. Trust us. It's wonderful. It was the two of them, so you know I didn't have any way of two. You know they were, they were very passionate, and it was and it worked out well. So I'm so glad you enjoyed that, Carol. No, that, that was yeah, I, I, I did love that. Hilarious. I'm like, look at the shade. So, so I'm like, maybe it's unintentional, but I thought as shade because like, <laughs> like they're like I yeah. watch a film sometimes, and like the person is like adapt at everything. I'm like, come on, like there's no way that you know how to like fly a helicopter just no. randomly. Like, come on. <laughs> So it was no, it's it's, it's so boring, isn't it? When they're when they're just experts, it's like it, it was nice to show these guys with a little vulnerability. I thought, you know, uh, but also equally nice to show that the you know the the female character was was a badass as well. I, exactly. I think I think it's you know I, the the most important thing was that she, you know we talked about this with each other was that she was not a damsel in distress you know, was not completely and utterly helpless. You know, of course, she's got three of the coolest, you know, heroes in, in history, you know, uh, rescuing her. So she couldn't be too, too profoundly talented, but certainly not a damsel in distress. We didn't want that. And we don't, you know, I don't think that's a, a, a very relevant message nowadays to put across. I've got two daughters and, you know, it's all about, it's all about, you know, the power of women to move mountains I think and I think that's important and you know it's good and if you look at cinema that's what it does every 20 years anyway you know straight after the second world war in the 40, you know, late 40s it was women who ran ran movies you know Cary Grant was a supporting actor to uh, to Mae West on one of Lenny Dietrich or Bette Davis it was not the other way around it was it was so it goes in it's cyclical it's you know I think I think it's it's something to be embraced especially with action movies I don't think I don't think filmmakers should shy away from putting women's key roles in fact I think that we've talked about that being uh, the direction for a triple threat two movie to go yeah. you know it's more 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 female power oh, either it's the bad guys or was, yeah because it works very well in the movie anyway I think I've got a call that I have to make around about now Caroline so if, okay. if you have any other questions you've got my home number now so please feel free to give me a call or an email uh i'm so committed to pushing the film out there it doesn't it doesn't worry me i, I you know i don't i don't care if it's if it's not you know business like to call me directly just feel feel free to do that please do 
Oh, for sure. Thank you so much. Um, like, cause as I said, like, I love talking about film, TV, and this is one of my things that I'm always talking about Twitter on is action films. So, like, when I saw the announcement, brilliant. Yes. Um, but again, thank brilliant. You so much brilliant. For talking to me. Thank you very much. I'm honored that I got someone who's so uh, uh, passionate about the uh, the genre. Thank you, Carolyn. Yes. Thank you. Have a great day. And you.